This episode of The Bittersweet Life is brought to you by Stackery. Stackery is the global leader in international parcel forwarding from the U.S. With Stackery.com, you can shop at any U.S. retailer and ship anywhere at prices up to 80% less than directly from the store. Stackery also provides free storage, same-day consolidation of your packages, and a tax-free U.S. address. As a Bittersweet Life listener, save 10% off your first shipment by using the coupon MANJA. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Hey, Katie. Hey, Tiffany. How's it going? Busy, but good. The book is out. The book is out. The book is out. Everybody get your copy, Midnight in the Piazza, available wherever fine books are sold. (laughs) And it's not too late, at least as of me checking this morning, for you to get tickets to our live show in Seattle. I will put a ticket link in our show notes. Don't miss it. It will be on Friday, March 16th in Seattle, Washington. But that's not what we're talking about today, even though we should be just celebrating the fact that you have a book on the market. Today, (laughs) instead, we're talking about travel, as we often do. But for whatever reason, we were thinking about, maybe because you're journeying back to Seattle, sometimes when it comes to travel, you're not traveling new places all the time. You're traveling back to the old places all the time. You found a place in the world you liked in your 20s, and every single time you think about going on a trip, you think about going back to that place. And why is that? Yeah. I had this idea because I've had a lot of email. We've gotten a lot of emails recently from listeners And I've also gotten a lot of emails from people interested in doing tours and things like that, or messages on social media and people talking about Rome and I'm coming to Rome and yada, yada. And I'd say, okay, well, is it your first time? I'm like, no, it's my 13th time. (laughs) Like I've just, I feel like I've heard that a lot lately. Uh, Of course I hear it with Rome, but I'm sure it's the case for some other great cities and places in the world too, but that some people just are attracted to a certain place. And maybe it's that their secret desires to live there and for whatever reason they can't make that happen. Or maybe not. Maybe they are happy where they are, but they just love that one place and they can't stop going back there. And I'm not really that type of person, with the exception of the fact that I obviously love Italy and love Rome and did come back here a number of times before I moved here. But whenever I think about traveling, I always want to go someplace new. Mm. So it made me wonder, is that really a personal thing? Like everyone is a type of person where either they always have to have something new, someplace new, they always have to go someplace new, or they're going to find a place that they love and that's where they're always going to go. Yeah. So why do you think that you're a person who doesn't revisit? Not to say that you never revisit, but... Yeah, I don't... I, I do. I I think... I always say, as I get older, I don't know if that's the reason. <laughs> but I do feel like there are a couple of places I've been that I really want to go back to. But I like... I think this is the ambitious resolution maker, bucket list maker side of myself that I like to check things off lists. And I don't mean to sound superficial because obviously I'm not going to a place just to say that I've been there with the exception of like San Marino or something. Like I'm the type of person who would go to San Marino just so I could have another country on my list to count. (laughs) But with the exception of that, (laughs) 
you know, I really like having new experiences and going new places and being able to feel like I've seen a lot of places. And I just feel like life is short, you know? That's true. But don't you find that some places that you go to really resonate with you and some places you go, you think, well, it was good that I went there, but I'm never going to go there again. Even if I had the chance, I probably wouldn't go again. To be honest, there's very few places I've felt like that. Bulgaria and Slovakia, probably the only two places that I felt like, "Uh, I don't think I'm going to come back here. And why was that? Why not those places? I can't really say because I haven't seen the whole entire countries. I mean, it's not fair to say that. But what I saw of those countries, I just kind of thought, whereas Poland, when I went to Poland, I was like, I could live here. I just loved Poland so much. The places that I saw, which you might think Poland, Bulgaria, is there such a huge difference? I found there to be, for me, a huge difference. And I don't know. I, I guess I just feel like maybe the next place that I go is that place that I'm going to fall in love with. And if I keep going to place A, I'll never find place R or S that's the place that I love more than anything else. It's an interesting combo with you, though, because you often, when you go to a new place, picture yourself living there. (laughs) I think that's (laughs) Maybe that's just what everybody does, where you go, well, how would I fit into this society if I were going to live here? Or what would I like about it? It's hard to not compare a place to where you are living currently, I think. And it's hard sometimes to not picture what would it actually be like to stay here for a period of time. But that's an interesting mix of saying, oh, you want novelty. You want to see as much of the world as you can. But you also, in this weird way, always permanently (laughs) place yourself mentally in a spot. I don't know why that is, unless it's just, I, I have a real weakness for picturesque cute, quaint places Mm -hmm. and medieval towns, things like that. Sometimes I go to a place and I just think this place, and this is just going against everything I just said. So you're right. It is a bit of a paradox, but I go to a place and I just think I can't, this place, I can't see it well enough just in this weekend or whatever week, how much time I have. Like it, it just, I won't be able to do it justice this is the kind of place where you, I would like to stay for a while. And I don't necessarily mean come back, go and come back every summer, every week for a year. But I mean stay for three months or some other longer period of time so I could really soak up the place and feel like I've really experienced it. In my life, when I think about my travel life, my travel life often circles back to the same places again and again and again and again and again and again. Yes, I mean, how many times have you been to Vietnam? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that. Seven times, eight maybe. And every time I went there, we pretty much did the whole country. That said, part of that was circumstantial because my father was doing work over there and he had me go with him every single time. So it was built in that that was going to be a repeating thing. That said, though, part of what made it great after a while is that we had friends there. You keep going back and maintaining these relationships with people and seeing these old friends every single time. And then over the years, your friendship gets deeper and deeper and richer and your understanding of the country becomes richer. It's almost like being an expat in a place, but not actually committing to living there. I've often thought that with Vietnam, as much as I love it, I had thought at the time when I was traveling there a bunch that I don't think that I could live here. At the same point, I loved that country. When the 
plane would hit the tarmac, I would feel like I wanted to jump out and start running, you know, and roll around in the dirt, you know, and be like, I'm back, I'm back. <laughs> I, I had a great love for that country and the w rhythms of it and how different it was than anywhere else I'd ever been in the world, both culturally and visually. But I had a really hard time picturing myself actually staying there for a year's length of time or some heavy length of time, partly because it's just so hot. But that said, I think because we went back over and over and over again, we end up having a richer experience of the place just because we keep seeing the same individuals. You make relationships there. That's a good point. I don't know if people revisit Rome over and over for that reason. I'm sure some people do. Some, yeah. Sometimes, particularly when you go to a place that many times, like seven times, that place becomes a part of who you are. And that said, I don't know that I'll ever go back to Vietnam again. I might. I might not. I have no idea. That's interesting that you say that because my mom and my stepfather have been to Rome probably 10. We tried to count the last time we were, they were here. We tried to count up how many times they've been to Rome and we couldn't. It's probably around 10 times. And I never thought, I mean, they never stay very long. They'll stay like a week or two. One time my mom stayed a month by herself, but I never thought about it from their perspective as they probably feel like Rome is a part of them as well. Yeah. Just because their daughter lives there, which I never considered before. Yeah, we should definitely interview your mom sometime. Yes. Patty, get ready. <laughs> My mom, um, she was never a huge traveler growing up. Her family didn't really have the resources for that, but she became a traveler after we were teenagers. So, you know, when she was well into her 40s, if not beyond that, her husband adores traveling as well. And they, I was like, they go everywhere now. They travel constantly. Like they've been to South America. They've been uh, five international trips in one year kind of a thing. And after this last trip to Rome, they had taken a Caribbean cruise right before coming to Rome, which they had booked before they knew they were coming to Rome, which they wouldn't have booked if they'd known. And they both got really sick <laughs> on that trip. And then on the heels of it, like literally they had two days back home before turning around and, and coming to Rome. I mean, that's hard on anybody, but on people in their mid to late 70s, that's intense. So my mom said, yeah, we're not going to travel for a while. We're going to stay home for a while. I think this is kind of the end of mm. our travels. And I, I was thinking the end, that's really final. And she's You'll like, never well. see them again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, you know, we've just we've just been going really hard and we've gone to all these places and I just think we need a break for a while. I don't think we're going to do this anymore. That was in December. I just I just got an email from her tonight saying, "So we're going to be in Lisbon this summer." <laughs> and I just like I couldn't. She's like, "So if you guys can make it over there to meet us." Yeah. I think they've become addicts and yeah. they can't stop. The wanderlust is intense. Yeah. Well, it's funny when it hits you later in life like that, too. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes you don't get an opportunity to do it until later in life. That's the thing. Well, sometimes you don't get an opportunity, but I think a lot of people, regardless of whether they had the opportunity, if they didn't do it in their early to midlife, they wouldn't think to start doing it because people get stuck in their ways by the time they're middle-aged. Why would I go to France. I always go to Florida, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. cool when people can make changes like that. 
Yeah, I mean, and sometimes it's you revisit the same place over and over again because you have family that's living there. I mean, that's sort of what is the case with your mom in Rome. Yes. Not saying that she doesn't have a love for Rome. She might. But even if she hated Rome, <laughs> she would still come. If she loves yeah. you, she would still have to come. That's the thing. I mean, I guess the best you can hope for is that your relatives that you want to see all the time don't end up moving to a place you can't stand <laughs> because that's a problem. I was going to say, and, and stop me if I've told you this story before, but just in thinking about Vietnam as being the place that I visited the most, because I didn't live there for any length of time, like I did in Rome, spent a whole year in Rome, because there I was coming back and forth, back and forth, back and forth all the time. Even though I knew people there, it took me a lot longer to get to a point where I would have any idea of what it would actually be like to live there, if that makes sense. So like by the time I get to trip number six or seven, it's in those last trips that I start to meet people that would probably actually be friends I would hang out with if I lived there. Up until that time, a lot of the people we're meeting with are associates with my father who live there. But we were also working with people who are in dire poverty a lot. I loved those people, but if I was living there all the time, we would have been in such vastly different communities. The odds are that they wouldn't be the people I'd be hanging out with at night, chilling out with them during the day. But at night, if I was going to go out with friends, it would probably be somebody else. And it wasn't until the sixth or seventh time that I met a couple of people that I thought, if I lived here, these would be my friends. And that was a huge change in how I experienced that country. They were locals, they were from Vietnam, but they had done more international travel, they spoke English better, we could laugh and communicate. We were all in our 20s, so none of us had very much money. <laughs> but we were all sort of in that middle class footing. We were more contemporaries. That was the first moment when I realized, oh, well, maybe I could live in a country like Vietnam if I could meet these people. But that just got me thinking about even if you revisit a place over and over and over again, you get this great sense of it. It's still so different than actually rooting yourself in that place, even if it's for a year and how you get to know it or how fast you advance, basically. It's a totally different thing. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with being an expat. But it does interest me the, the fact that, like, especially in the States, people have so little vacation that people would choose to come back and I mean, I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing, especially when it's Rome, obviously, <laughs> that people would choose to come back to Rome so many times or come back to the same country, maybe. And I wonder if it, is it habit or is it truly that they just can't get enough of that place? It could be partly ritual. Mm -hmm. I would put it in the ritual category rather than the habit category, but I guess it could be habit. It could also be that for whatever reason... Keeping with Rome as the example, they like the way that Rome makes them feel and they want to come back into that feeling on a regular basis. That could be. I don't know. Do you have a place like that? I mean, you went back to Vietnam a lot, but that was mostly not necessity, but there was more of a practical reason for you to go there. Do you have like a vacation place that you feel like that about? I feel very fondly toward South Carolina. And I, again, have had to go there for a reason. My grandmother lives there. She's turning 100 this year. Oh my gosh. And my friend Susan that we talked about in the grief episode, she lived there before she was killed. I've always loved the feeling of it down there. And also because I'm a big wildlife person, I really like noticing the wild creatures around me. San Francisco, some great bird action yesterday morning. 
And South Carolina is so rich when it comes to, at least on the coast, where my grandmother lives by the coast. In those lowlands, those wetlands, the diversity of creatures that live there is astounding to me. Not just big dolphins and stingrays, although they're there, but all these different types of crabs and egrets and snails. And it's just off the charts as far as the variety of creatures, alligators. I love that about it. So I think that that would be a place I would consider living, going back to, definitely go there ritually. And I think that when we think about my grandmother, you know, being 100 years old, there will come a time when she's not there anymore. And do I think that we'll still go there? I do. I think that that's part of the, the ritual now of our lives is the coast of South Carolina. Country-wise, I mean, Rome might be my thing. Well, that's easy to understand. <laughs> I mean, I got a business reason to go there, too, because, you know, we make this show, and it's so much easier to make when we're in the same space, yeah, in the same room, even. But I think it's also that city. I have my rituals that I have there now. When I picture being there in a month's time or so, I picture walking up the same hills and checking out the same places and going to the places that make me feel calm inside Mm -hmm. that I don't usually get to see. But you did live there though, which I think does change it a little bit. I know. If you've lived in a place, then it kind of is natural that it would draw you back. Yeah, I think that's true. I had this conversation with a friend years and years ago, a friend of mine who became an expat about the same time I did, except she moved to Berlin. We were talking one day about traveling and And I was like, oh, I don't want to go back to the same place twice, ever. I always want to go to a new place. And she was like, yeah, but don't you want to get to know a place better? Like, don't you want to get to know somewhere deeply as opposed to just seeing everything superficially? I mean, that was many years ago. And I have definitely changed opinions on a lot of things. But I'm, I'm still drawn to go to new places, though. My husband and I are at odds over this because he's the kind of person who likes to go back to the same place. We discovered the island of Ischia together the year before we got married, I believe. We went there on vacation and we just fell in love with it. It's one of the few places that I've been back to a number of times. I think we've been there three, maybe four times. We even went on our honeymoon there, which is kind of crazy to think that I would go on honeymoon to a place that I'd already been twice. Good point. But uh, it is the most relaxing place anywhere near Italy. And we were kind of low on funds after our (laughs) really expensive wedding and way too tired to organize or plan anything major. And I was too tired to go on any kind of a long trip. So it was kind of the perfect fit. But he would go back there every summer if I would be up for it. Can we go someplace new, for God's sake? (laughs) Have you ever asked him why? I honestly think he just adores it. And I mean, I love it too. It's, if you're not familiar with Ischia, I mean, it's an island, it's an island off the coast of Naples. It's very close to Capri, but it's bigger. It's less touristy. It's obviously it is touristy because it's an island off the coast of Naples. So, (laughs) but it's more Italian tourists than international tourists. The pace is a little bit slower. It's not like super high society. But the thing about Ischia that is amazing is that it's a volcanic island and it has 
tons of thermal baths, naturally occurring thermal baths. And so the island has really taken advantage of this and they've built these bath complexes. And there's some really, really big ones, two or three really big important ones. And then there are several small ones that are in hotels and stuff. It's kind of like being in this type of paradise. If you like that kind of thing, you have to like taking the waters, quote unquote. We both love it. We both love lying in a hot, bubbling pool of natural thermal water. Ah, We love it. And also a lot of these bath complexes have these saunas that are basically just holes that they've carved out of the side of the mountain. There's no like electricity in there. There's nothing. It's just hot because you're inside of a volcanic rock and you just go in there and it's like, I'm in a sauna, but it's just, I'm actually just inside of this mountain. It's amazing. It's an amazing place. The hotel where we stayed for our honeymoon where Angela Merkel goes, the food is amazing and it's full of German tourists love it there too. And we always go early in the season, like in June, when all the Germans are there. They're so polite. Uh, But anyway, the point is, I do love it there. And if I had unlimited vacation time and unlimited funds, I would go there a week every year. I think I would just to like have relaxation, recuperation time. But I don't have unlimited vacation time and I don't have unlimited funds. And while it's tempting to think, oh, Iskia, I know it. I know how to get there. I know where to go. I know where to stay. I know it's going to be a good trip. But it's like, I've always wanted to go to Scotland or I've always wanted to go to wherever. I just feel like, again, the world is big and the life is short. I don't want to spend my whole life going to Iskia as much as I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But I do think that sometimes people like to go to places where they just know what's going on. You know where to stay. You know what to do. It's going to be relaxing. And I think some people, if they only have two weeks a year off, that's what they're looking for. Something that's easy and relaxing. I think that's why people go on cruises too. You get to see a lot, but it's easy and relaxing. And logistically, eh, no problem whatsoever. But I can see the the draw. Yeah, but I think also there's, again, I'm returning to this idea of ritual too. Have you ever gone to a place where you revisit the place over and over and over again, but then over time it starts to change and the things that you sort of remember about it? This is often more with places probably that you had to go as a kid to visit relatives or whatever. Over time, the place starts to change and more and more of the elements that you remember really liking are slipping away. Mm. They're not there anymore. And so the place, while it still becomes very fond in your heart, becomes less and less of a draw over time. It's funny because I I love going to new places, but I think I also get attached to places. Like, for instance, I don't think I'll ever go to Wales again. But if I did, I know I'd want to go stay in a hotel in Tregaron while I was there because I had such a good time there. What's so special about Tregaron? Well, nothing except one, that name of a town, Tregaron. That doesn't sound like the coolest place ever. It sounds like (laughs) sinister and evil, but yet it's folksy and happy. We just happened to find this lodge there that was run by couple of expats outside of the back window of my hotel room. There were sheep grazing on a hillside. The town itself wasn't more than like a plus sign in size. It was very small. But for whatever reason, it just was a really great vibe there. And the drive into Tregaron was really great. 
little tiny roads going through these pastures full of sexy sheep. Sexy sheep. And I say that they're sexy because they have really short fur but these really long legs and these big <laughs> doughy eyes. So hillsides covered in sexy sheep. And then you come to this place called Judigarin where there's just this happy hotel that's the only part of the community that seems to have any life in it. I don't know. I liked it for whatever reason. I, I liked that spot. So it's sort of like going back to me discovering that baby eel in Hawaii. I like to have this little tiny sliver of something that roots me to a country. So knowing that Tregaren exists in Wales makes Wales seem more approachable. Knowing that I know what pizza to eat in Rome makes Rome more approachable. That I have a favorite bar in Saigon makes it more approachable. Of course it does. Of course. That I know what kind of beer is sold in North Vietnam versus South Vietnam. <laughs> that makes me feel like, oh, yeah, I got this country. Even though I can't speak the language, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you think I can't speak Italian. Yeah, I can't even say thank you in Vietnamese. It's <laughs> such a difficult language. Yeah, maybe I'm one of those people that looks for those slivers of routine. And maybe it's because I'm not as experienced a traveler as you are. I'm late to the game. I'm kind of like your mom. I'm late to the game. I'm not as late as your mom was, but I'm, <laughs> I'm late to the game. I look for those things too, though. I always think whenever I go to a new place and I go into a place that's really cute, like a cafe or something, and I think this is where I would go if I lived here. Or this is the neighborhood I would live in if I lived here. That's true. But it's slightly different, though. See how it's slightly different? You're projecting yourself into the place. <laughs> this is where I would live if I lived here. Whereas I'm just using these little touchstones to make myself not feel uncomfortable in a place. <laughs> it's a subtle difference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a difference. Maybe the difference is, why would you feel uncomfortable there to begin with? Just because it's un unknown and unfamiliar? I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that I've never felt like that traveling, of course. I have too. But is that the default when you're in a new place to feel uncomfortable? Well, no. In the past, probably, definitely. Lately, a little bit, yeah. When I first got to New Orleans, and I'm in that first full day there, there's a part of me that's excited to explore, but there's another part of me that has that sort of sinking feeling inside or that anxiety and, what have I done? Why am I here? That <laughs> happened to me for the very first... It was the very first time I had been to a foreign country in which I didn't even begin to speak a word of the language, or I wasn't with someone who spoke the language. And all of a sudden, I was in Slovakia. We have to go back to Slovakia. But I remember I took a cab from the airport. I was by myself. It was a trip that I took by myself. The cab driver was like approaching the city. And I'm sort of looking around at this not tiny city. It wasn't huge, but, you know, it's like the capital city. What am I doing? I don't speak a word of the language. I don't know anything about this place. What am I doing? <laughs> but that only lasted for like <laughs> 10 minutes and then everything was fine. <laughs> but I definitely know the feeling. You're just like, oh my gosh, what am I getting myself into? And the other time I had that feeling was after I booked my tickets to India I took that trip alone as well. I booked six weeks in India with no idea. I mean, I knew I was flying into the south of India, 
And I did have a place to go. I was going to go to the ashram, which is like a sister ashram of the place that I had done my teacher training in the Bahamas. I'd never been there, but obviously it was the same philosophy, same school of training. So there would be some familiar things. And anyway, I knew that I was flying out of Delhi, which is basically the opposite end of the country. The ashram was in the, on the southern tip. So I had that, like that was all I knew. <laughs> and I had no internal travel plans and I had no hotels planned or anything like that. And I remember it was a couple weeks before I left and I just, I had this visual of myself with a backpack on and I had never backpacked before. It was the only time in my life I ever did backpack. <laughs> I know none of you can picture me with a backpack on, but I did it. So, so I'm like sitting there in Rome and I'm picturing myself with the backpack on in India, knowing no one, not knowing where to go, what to do, what to see. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm so out of my league. What in the world am I even thinking? I can't go to India for six weeks. What am I going to do for six weeks? And literally the day after I got there, I was on the internet trying to find a way to change my ticket so I could stay longer than six weeks. Literally less than 24 hours to realize that not only was six weeks going to be good, but it wasn't going to be enough. Ah, oh, see, I'm so much slower than that. We're all different, though. We've got to do an episode about how much practice travel takes. Yeah. Because I don't know if it's like a personality type or what, but, you know, I didn't do a lot of huge trips when I was a young person. The Vietnam thing makes it sound like I'm everywhere, but really, I'm just going back and forth to the same country. So I'm not really out of my league. <laughs> I'm always with people who speak Vietnamese, all this stuff. So I'm just shaking my head hearing this story because even now I feel like I would never do that kind of thing. And if I did, I would flip flop back and forth almost the entire first couple of weeks at least feeling that pit of my stomach what am I doing here I'm so out of my element yeah but that's not to say that I wouldn't be like enjoying learning about it too but on the other hand Katie you picked up and moved to New Orleans like on a whim but it was not traveling you were living there and yes it was a short period of time and yes you didn't have like a job there or anything but you were still living there I wasn't living in India I was traveling in India I was being a tourist and there's something about being a tourist that's easier than being a resident. For me, the idea of picking up and moving to a city in the U.S. that I'd never been to and living there for a month and not knowing anyone, like that, that actually <laughs> freaks me out. Like, I don't think I could have pulled that off. Hey, I knew one person, to be fair. You did know one person. <laughs> so, okay, that's so, true. But, but yeah, still, but... I mean, I know it's not India, but it's still gutsy. I guess so. I suffer from an ongoing problem of loneliness and over reflecting on the past nostalgia nostalgia i don't even know if it's nostalgia this isn't one of the ongoing conflicts that derek and i have because as you know that derek can adapt to anything he's like let's move to rome let's move back let's go to san francisco let's do this let's do that you know and for him it's just one big exciting adventure you know we're just moving forward we're doing this we're doing that and for me i'm always going to go through this period of mourning and regret <laughs> You know, and he always, always like, what I wouldn't give to have you not have to go through this period. It's exciting. It's an adventure. And for me, I don't know what it would take for me to book that ticket to India and just be like, this is an exciting adventure. I'm going to go to a country where I can't speak the language. I'm going to fly into one place and fly out of the other side of it with no idea what's happening in the middle. <laughs> and this is something that's exciting to me. And I don't know anybody there. You might also notice that everywhere I go, I know somebody there. 
for the most part. I'm either traveling with somebody I know or I moved to Rome, but hey, surprise, I moved to Rome, but one of my oldest friends lives there. <laughs> Gee, that surely makes it a lot more manageable, doesn't it? <laughs> so much more manageable. I'm like a baby when it comes to travel. No, you're not. You're an adolescent. You're an adolescent. Okay, fine. You're not I'm a baby. But you know, our listeners write to us frequently talking about how they have completely upended their lives. And I <laughs> read their emails and I think, wow, number one, that's amazing. And number two, holy crap, how did you do that? I really hope this works out okay. And if if we're to blame, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I still sometimes feel like I... I'm at summer camp and I'm still freaked out and I'm calling my mom on the phone midway through and saying, hey, can you come get me? I really don't <laughs> want to be out here. But if, if you didn't feel like that ever, then you wouldn't be challenging yourself. But do you feel like that? Because I feel like it might be a personality thing too. I think definitely it's a personality thing and some people are going to feel like that more than others. But I mean, I don't feel like that in Rome now. It's become my home and I, my husband and my kid live here. It, it's more my home than America is. But I did feel like that the first year I lived here. I suffered majorly. I c cried all the time. I mean, I talked to my mom on the phone. I couldn't get through a conversation without crying those first few months. And was she telling you to come back? Oh, yeah. She was like, come back. What are you doing over there? So why didn't you go back? Because I'm stubborn. I am a very stubborn person. And when I decide to do something, I do it all the way. Mm -hmm. I think I have a little bit of that too. Yeah. Well, we're getting a little long in the tooth. So maybe we should table this for now. But I do think that there is something to be said about this. If you're returning to the same place over and over and over again, I would love to poll the audience and find out if you're a person who returns to the same place over and over and over again, are you more of a what you would consider a homebody Maybe you're a person when you were growing up that didn't want to go to the sleepover. Or is there some other reason? I mean, with Rome, Rome is a hard one to parse out because there's so much to see and do in Rome. Why wouldn't you go there a whole bunch of times? Because you just can't get your arms around it in one trip. You just can't. It has more of a draw than, say, you know, the place I always dream about going back to, Nirha in Spain. I just want to go back there because I had such a good time there. But I think I saw it. I got a good sense of what was going on in Nirha. I don't feel like I have to go back and investigate this other part of the city that I didn't have time to look at. So I don't know. So well, yeah, write us. Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a place that you revisit over and over and over again, I would be curious to know what it was because maybe I should put it on my list of a place to start visiting over and over and over again. Yeah, that would be that would be cool to hear about. But back to your homebody question, the funny thing is, despite being a huge travel lover, I'm also a homebody. That's true. You like to be home at night and stuff. Yeah, I like to be home and I like and I think this might be a topic for another day, but I like coming home from trips. Oh, yeah. We got to do that show too. Oh my gosh, look at us. Show ideas left and right. <laughs> uh, if you have one for us, Feel free to write us bittersweetlife at mail.com. We like getting show suggestions. That's why we ended up doing the two ones about Rome tips, the gems episodes that we just recently had. Feel free to suggest topic ideas to us. Yes. Get your tickets to our live show in Seattle. Yes. There's a link in our show notes or at thebittersweetlife.net. It's going to be a fun night. Buy Tiffany's book. If you can't be in Seattle, it's called Midnight in the Piazza and it's out now. Yeah, if you are not going to be in L.A. or Seattle, 
and you really want to have a signed copy for your child or for yourself or for your friend, one of our listeners gave us this idea. You can order a book from one of the two bookshops I'm going to be appearing at and I can sign it when I'm there and you can get a signed copy sent to you. So if you want to contact either Bookstar in Studio City, California, where I'm going to be on March 11th, or Island Books in Mercer Island, Washington, where I will be on March 18th. So if you're interested in getting a signed book, get a hold of one of those two bookstores. And do it immediately. (laughs) Until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Before we go, thanks to our intern, Estrella Gomez, for being awesome. Visit her at lacasablaga.com, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Stackery for supporting this program. Stackery is the global leader in international parcel forwarding from the United States. With Stackery, even though you live abroad, you can shop at your favorite U.S. retailers at prices up to 80% less than directly from the store. Stackery also provides free storage, same-day consolidation of your package, and a tax-free U.S. mailing address. As a Bittersweet Life listener, you can save 10% off your first shipment. Just visit stackery.com and use the coupon code MANJA. That's M-A-N-G-I-A. Thanks also to the listeners who've donated to keep this show going. We can't do it without you. If you haven't yet, visit thebittersweetlife.net and click the donate button. Any amount donated will be rewarded with a handwritten thank you note and our huge thanks. Thanks.